0: It's that time again. It's Greek for the Week. I'm Chris Palmer. Let's open our Bibles and get right down to the original language, the Greek. God bless you. It's the Greek for the week podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are going to get into the gifts of the Spirit today. Talking about the nine listed gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. But before we do that, just want to tell you, if you enjoyed our seven churches study that we did the last seven weeks, I hope you did. I hope it was a blessing to you. You can learn more about that in the book, Letters from Jesus, Studies from the Seven Churches of Revelation. My latest book, it's available on Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble's Target. You can order it from any of those places, and um, it'll take you a little bit deeper into that study. And if you have read it or you're reading through it, and you can give it a five-star review on Amazon, that really, really does help us a lot. I know I encourage people to go on Amazon, tell people about it. Um, and so make sure to do that. Do, so, do us a little favor and drop us, drop us a good review, okay? Now, let's get into 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we're just going to skip the theological debate on whether or not the gifts of the Spirit are for today. I fully believe they're for today. Uh, number one, because I've seen them work, and this is not fanaticism or delusion. I've seen them work. And I can't imagine ministry without the gifts of the Spirit and without the empowerment and ability and graces of the Holy Spirit to make uh, the gospel effective in the lives of people. I mean, people have real needs. If you minister and you're preaching to people, they don't just want to hear a head full of theology or your finer points of a finer doctrine when... They have big needs in their life. And gifts of the Spirit are a perfect demonstration of God's compassion for individuals. I mean, sometimes we think as Christians, there's some out there that think, well, God just wants everybody to suffer and tough and we'll, we'll sort it all out in heaven. Well, I don't think that's very loving. I think God is for the moment right now. And He cares about your individual situation, including sickness or disease, if you need a miracle in your life, or there's things that God wants to speak to you, speak to you. I mean, His Spirit is at work in the earth today, and His Spirit speaks. And so we see inspired speech through prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues, etc. And these are a blessing if they are functioned right now. I know there's been a lot of abuses of the gifts of the Spirit, and we've seen that uh, in many different places. I don't want to get into any criticisms of that. It's not my place to criticize. I'm not uh, in some apostolic office or veteran office where I can even begin to touch that. I'll leave that to others, and and, and when people get in, in difficulty with that, they should seek the person that's over them. Um, So that's not for me to get into. What it is for me to get into is getting into Scripture and what Scripture has to say about it, and we'll do that today. And I want to talk about the purpose of the gifts of the Spirit. Why do we have the gifts of the Spirit? Well, it's to minister to broken humanity. It's to demonstrate the kingdom of God, a richer kingdom, an invisible kingdom that exists, that is being worked out through the declaration of the gospel, Perhaps the best definition I've ever heard of the kingdom of God is what God is doing through Christ Jesus to rectify mankind back to himself. We learned that in theology school. I never forgot that. I use that all the time when I'm preaching. And of course, we see that Jesus sent to us the Holy Spirit. He's been given to us. We see this in John chapter 14, 15, 16. We see the fullness of this in Acts chapter uh, 2. And then, of course, it came upon the Gentiles in Acts chapter 10. God fulfilled his covenant to the Jews, to the Jew first. They received it in Acts 2, and then you see all the 120 in the in the upper room. They are all Jews. And then the Gentiles received it, at Cornelius, uh, Acts 10. And it's been moving. And we see 30 uh, excuse me, we see 28 chapters of Acts, and over a period of 30 years, where God is actively working through people of, that are serving him, part of the church, which the church is God's new covenant people upon the earth today, and he's doing it through gifts. And I think the book of Acts was given to us as a Pentecostal. I identify the book of Acts and I say, well, it's our stories. This, the book of Acts, their stories are our stories. That's what we say. Pentecostal preachers are very narrative. We like to see ourselves in the story. That's how we do hermeneutics. And just because it's not a hermeneutic that's necessarily um, really tied down to historical critical hermeneutics or historical grammatical hermeneutics, um, we got to be open to other ways of doing hermeneutics. And the way that Pentecostals do that is they begin narratively and they look at the text narratively and where we can find ourselves in the New Testament story. That's a there's a very scholarly way of doing it. It's actually a way of doing hermeneutics that is uh, gaining popularity in the universities today <clears throat> because there's so much of the story that we can that we can identify with and. Um, Maybe I'll say that for another podcast when we talk about hermeneutics in and of itself. But it's respected in the universities today. And even other camps that aren't necessarily Pentecostal, but perhaps they're Reformed charismatics, they're starting to recognize this and say, hey, yeah, this is a good way of do- doing hermeneutics. Um, but <clears throat> that's all for another day. Let's get into the Scripture here. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 7, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. that's extremely important right here where it says for the common good. And... Uh, but we're we'll reading the Greek. Escato de a to pneumatos prosto Okay, so first of all, we see here that it's for people's benefit. The Greek word here, sumithero, <coughs> excuse me, means benefit or advantage. So the gifts of the Spirit are they're gonna give an advantage to the collective group or to the church. And that's very important because I've noticed that. When you see where the gospel is really growing, this is statistically, I don't have the exact statistics in front of me, but as an evangelist, for many years, still doing it, uh, I'll be doing it intensely coming up in a few weeks, uh, Three Continents, you see the gospel really having an effect in places where there's a legitimate expression of the gifts of the Spirit, and it grows, like in Acts 2.47, and the church added daily such as those that should be saved, because it's the intent of God to work his gospel through the gifts of the Spirit. But it says here, the manifestation of the Spirit. So the question is, how do you even know that the Holy Spirit is present in your service? You can't see the Holy Spirit, and he's invisible, though his presence can be felt, and it's important to feel his presence. He doesn't neglect our emotions. Sometimes people make church into an emotionless, uh, didactical thing. It's not, not the case. But how do you know if the Spirit of God is present? Well, it says here, it's through the, man- through the gifts of the Spirit, which are the manifestation of the Spirit. Now, the Greek word here, manifestation, is an interesting one. It's phenerosis. It comes from the Greek word phos. That's the root, which means light. And we understand that light is something that reveals. You have darkness. Everything is by nature already in darkness. Okay, And then the moment there's the presence of light, whatever object's in that room is going to reflect that light and become visible. And that's the root. Of the word manifestation. But it goes even further than that. And this word here was used in the sense for neurosis to not just mean light, but also to mean publicity. Because something that is in the public or public eye, which is receiving publicity, is being given attention and light is shining upon that thing. What this verse is very saying here is that the gifts of the Spirit bring attention or a unique publicity to the Holy Spirit. And when the gifts are really in operation, when you see somebody who's being used by the Holy Spirit, they're emptied of themselves, they're under the anointing, where the anointing is the grace of the Spirit. All right, that's just a big word for that. They're under the grace of the Holy Spirit. They're under the, they're surrendered to the Holy Spirit. God is using them for a word of wisdom. I won't get into the defining of all these gifts here today. Uh, utterance of knowledge or perhaps gifts of healing, working of miracles or even inspired uttered speech these become a blessing to the congregation. It starts adding to their advantage and the Holy Spirit gets the attention. Now I've seen gifts of Spirit used the right way many times and it doesn't cause you to lift up the person that's using them it brings in your heart a humility a desire to worship God and a deeper Love for the Lord. Now, I remember real specifically, there was a guy, when I was really learning about the gifts of the Spirit, being used the right way, there was a gentleman who came to North Central University, uh, and God really used him in the gifts of the Spirit, uh, particularly the gifts of healing. And I remember we had a chapel service, and he was teaching on the presence of God, and he was teaching on the love of Jesus. And after the service, he was going to pray for people to be healed. Now, there was a girl in the service. I, don't, I didn't know it at the time, or nobody knew it, but she just had asthma. And her whole life, she had problems breathing and difficulty. I think most moments of her life, she felt tightness in her lungs, et cetera, et cetera. And I remember during the service, he was praying for people. And this woman begins to cry, and such a—it just was just so precious to begin to cry, and she felt at that moment that tightness in her chest completely left. And she said that when the pastor prayed for her, that she saw a vision, and it was the hand of God giving to her new lungs. And the Lord said to her, "Look what I have for you," and she received new lungs, and she could breathe differently, completely differently, and the emotions said it all, and at that moment, I mean, there was such a presence of, uh, such a sweet presence, such a loving presence in the room, I started to cry, I mean, and I wasn't even the one being healed or being touched by it, and I was filled with the Holy Ghost, at that moment, I was filled, I felt the presence of God, I just, it lifted up my spirit, I became f- full of God, and I went on in that and walked in that for quite some time. And it just was so powerful. And the whole church was just rejoicing. You talk about a powerful moment. And and people say, oh, that's just feelings. No, 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 no. Come on. Your feelings is something that God gave you. But it's more than that. It's an encounter with the presence of God. And I'll tell you what. Even someone who's working on my PhD is, is big in academia. I wouldn't trade the move of the Holy Ghost for any of it. Because that, at the end of the day, is what's effective. And you go into some of these countries that are in the Southern Hemisphere, um, where they're not westernized, especially, if you're not preaching with the gifts and the power of the Holy Ghost, they don't even want to listen to you. They're just not interested. <laughs> and that's where the gospel is really growing. Now, I know there's theological problems, but there's theological problems. Every place you go to, there's always going to be theological problems to be sorted out. And that's why we need the ministry to teach. But let's not make it one hand on the other. In this. Let's just have them both. Let's bring the scholar and the person of the Spirit together and get them functioning together. So we see that this is the manifestation of the Spirit, gives gifts of the Spirit at work. And, um, and so the Holy Spirit gets attention when the gifts of the Spirit are being correctly used. And what does he use that attention for? He takes that attention and he points people to Jesus. And so in these services where the gifts of the Spirit are at work, where there's inspired speech, prophecy, prophecy is... Speaking to men for their edification, exhortation, and comfort. Doesn't always have to be foretelling. There's always it's just always uplifted, inspired speech. Could have an element of foretelling in it, foretelling something that could take place, but not always. Could be just anointed preaching. Be as it may, it is for the common good and it brings attention to the Spirit. And in turn, the Spirit brings attention to Jesus. And you say, Well, why does he bring attention to Jesus? Because that's how you get saved, is through Christ. It's not through The sacrifice of the Spirit, it's through Jesus. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He's the one, through His work, that we become born again and saved and reconciled back into the family of God. That's why the Holy Spirit is always going to put the attention back on Christ. That's why we have to have Christ-centered preaching. That's when it's true preaching that comes from the Spirit. It's Christ-centered. All right, so I want to encourage you today. Maybe the gifts of the Spirit are something that you're not used to. Maybe you've heard that they're not for today. I'd, I'd encourage you to explore it a little more. And uh, we can still be friends, you know. Um, really, I, we can still be all good. Um, not someone that's going to isolate people that say, well, I'm cessationist. It's great. We love you. Love cessationist brothers and sisters as well. But I would encourage you to try and seek deeper. I could never be a cessationist. Theologically, I think you have to avoid First Corinthians 12, 13, and 14 and have a, an unnatural reading of that. And Gordon Fee has probably the best commentary today on the book of First Corinthians, recognized by Reformed and cessationist scholars as being correct. All right, and and the bulk of scholarship today sides with continuous position, not cessationism. You, you, I just don't think you have to be you're true to the text when you get into that. You're trying to explain away because of tradition and following the likes of BB Warfield, people that have come out of modernism. So anyway, another conversation. I could tell I need to do a podcast on this. But uh, but if you are a cessationist, I love you, and I believe God. And uh, if you want to stay a stationist, there's nothing I can do about that. But I want to encourage people, seek the gifts of the Spirit. Seek the Holy Ghost. Seek God to use you in a way to minister to people and to minister to hurting humanity. And I believe you'll be blessed for it, okay? hope you enjoyed Greek for the Week. Remember, go on Amazon.com. Check out Letters from Jesus, uh, Studies from the Seven Churches of Revelation. And make sure to 5-Star. If you're enjoying it, it really helps us a lot. Take a minute, drop us a review, okay? God bless you. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to support us further, you may visit us on the web at lightoftoday.org. God bless and good studying.